If you weren't here last week, there's a lot you missed out on. And uh, it's my job this week to try to fill you in on what happened. And the thing is, is that we went over a lot. So one of the problems that you have is you're coming in right in the middle. And so uh, what I'm going to try to do is catch everyone up just really quick. But here's the deal. You have to know that we covered a lot. And so we're going to be going over a lot in just the next like minute or so. So here's what I need you to do. Just sit back, relax, and pay attention. to do it that way. Here's the deal though. We need to discuss a little bit about what's happening. So let me walk over there real quick and I'll show you. Okay, so here we are. We're in the room. Uh, as you can see behind me, we have the uh, board that we went over a whole bunch of stuff last week. So here's just a couple things you need to know real quick. 7,800 students in Saline County, reaching a thousand of them. Out of uh, out of that, we really are reaching only 12.8%, leaving 87.2% unreached teens in Saline County. And I think that's pretty busted up. So we can do better than that. Our vision is to help teens to know and grow in Christ. Okay, uh, we talked about Martin Luther in 1517. We talked about Jonathan Edwards in 1730s. These dudes led huge uh, revivals that uh, that basically changed the game for, for Christianity as we know it. Um, we talked about how if you want to reach people no one else is reaching, you have to do things no one else is doing. We also said that the system that we need is we need to reach students who are far from God and we need student leadership and ownership. So in order to do that, we've introduced a system called cell groups. And we looked at the model, we talked about how many we could reach last week. We had about 150 students in the room. It only takes 10 students to reach 150. So if we actually took the amount of students that were in the room last week and used them as cell group leaders, look how many students we could reach. 1,500 students, okay? So listen, the deal is, is that we couldn't even fit in this room anymore. 1,500 students couldn't even fit in this church building. Do you realize, like, what we're talking about? This is a big deal. So. Sit back, and uh, and we're, we're going to go through the second part as we fill up this empty space on the other side of the board. Let's get into it. Alright, so we, uh, we're going to start off today in the Bible. It's a good place to start. Uh, so, I've been reading a lot in Genesis, and there's this guy named Abraham. Who knows Abraham? Obey sons. So Abraham was this guy who shows up in Genesis 12, which is 12 books into the Bible, and a lot has actually happened. 12 books in the Bible, the flood has already happened, creation's happened, all this kind of stuff. Uh, sin has entered the world, and I mean, we're talking like a long time after creation. Uh, I'm not going to give you years, but I'm going to say it's more than 100 Maybe more than a thousand. I'm not sure. Somewhere in there. Uh, but this guy Abraham, 
was cool enough to be able to be talked to by God. Okay, so God Himself came to see him, and he said something very, very, very important. Again, I'm going to read it for you. Now, the Lord said to Abram, back then it's called Abram, God gave him the name later, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from the Father's house to the land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and, and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Okay? So, so he, God, like God, right? God, the Father of heaven, like, shows up to Abraham and says, I'm going to make you the dude who populates basically the nation that I'm going to reach people through. Okay? You are the father of the Jews. You are the dude. So, I don't know if, if you would have the same reaction that I would have, but if God came to me and said, guess what, I'm going to use you to be the guy, I'd be a little scared. So anyway, a lot of stuff happens. Uh, he uh, goes to meet Lot, they don't get along, they end up parting ways, there's a lot of stuff that happens. And then, in chapter 15, angels come to, actually I think it was Jesus, uh, and in the form of like an angel or something like that, we don't really know. Uh, came to Abraham, Abram, excuse me, and was like, I'm going to give you a son. Notice, this dude is 90 years old, okay? And he has a wife named uh, Sarai, and he's going to change her name to Sarah. Again, he changed both of their names eventually. So, the angel comes to Abraham and is like, I'm going to make you a father at 90 years old. And what happens? Like, he laughs at him, right? He's like, are you, are you serious? Like, I'm old. I don't even know if I can do that anymore. Right, just be practical. We're all like old enough to think that way, right? Uh, so, so, so on a practical level, he's telling God, "No, you can't do that," which is kind of funny thing to do. But moving on, uh, so he tells his wife, and his wife is like, "Are you, are you, you expect me to do that? Like I'm, I'm old too. Remember, like uh, I have to go through nine months of that stuff, and." Uh, the next thing that happens is kind of funny. Uh, Sarah goes to Abraham and said, Listen, this isn't going to happen. I've got this maidservant over here. Because I can't have children. I'm barren. I'm, I can't have kids. It's just physically impossible. I cannot have kids. But I've got this maidservant over here. And here's his Bible to remix. Okay, I'm not going to read it. He said, Go have sex with her. Or I'm sorry, she said, Go have sex with my maid. And she will be the one who bears the son that God has promised and Abraham said, okay, I can do that. And some of the guys in the room are kind of like, wow, I didn't know there were wives that were like that. Um, there's not many out there. That happens, I guess. Uh, not in, in my world, but they made it happen, okay? So he goes and he lays with this maidservant, and she bears this son, and God comes to him, and he's like, Abe, come on, Abe. I know that was probably fun for you, you got like a free pass, but uh, that's not the son that I promised. And he's like, what? Oh, come on, it's a son. I came from me. And he's like, no, the son has to come from Sarah. So they're like, back to square one. And uh, he comes to him again, and he's like, seriously, I'm going to give you a son. And he, he actually even said, I'm still going to bless that one. That's just not the one that I promised. Okay, I'm still going to take care of that one. That one is still going to have a nation after them too. And eventually he moved away to a different country and then did his thing. But God came to him again and was just like, you're going to have a son. It's going to be Sarah's. Okay? 
So Sarai hears that, and what happens? She laughs. Right? So God, God, the creator of the universe, is promising something, and all they have to do is like the fun stuff. Let's be honest. I mean, like, I will take care of this if you will just be married actively. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Uh, so anyway, they go uh, get get it on. Uh, and, and she bears a child. He's like 99 years old, right? Uh, actually, he's 100. I think she was 99. I'm not getting the details straight. But here's the problem. Uh, the sun comes, right? And so there's all this stuff. And Abraham keeps saying, keeps saying, keeps saying. Or God is saying to Abraham, he's saying, like, I'm going to make a nation of you. And then he actually calls him a different name. He calls her a different name. Gets, instead of Abram, it's Abraham. Instead of Sarai, it's Sarah. Okay? He gives him new names. So you're going to be a father of a great, great, great nation. Okay? So then, Isaac comes. And he's born. And that's really cool. In uh, chapter 21. Uh, so anyway, then, then some funny stuff happens. Uh, Sarah looks at Hagar, who <laughs> Abraham had sex with. And he's like, I don't really want her around anymore. Can you send her away? And Abraham's like, ah, yeah, okay, I'll do it. I'll keep you happy. So God actually said, keep her happy. Don't worry about her. I'll take care of the child. Isaac is who you need to focus on. Okay, this stuff happens in the Bible. It's, you should read it if you think it's boring. It's like, it's crazy. So anyway, we come to Genesis 22, which is where I want to land today. Uh, Genesis 22, God comes to Abraham and says, listen, okay, I promised you this son, Isaac. He's a good boy. He's exactly what I promised. I'm going to bless him. But first I need you to offer him up on the altar. Which means sacrifice him. Which means kill him. But he is going to be the sacrificial offering to me. I need to know if you trust me. So Abraham, the word actually, like God says that. He says, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. Okay, are you hearing me? Burnt offering. Go burn your son on an altar. Crazy, right? Okay, so the very next verse. So Abraham rose early in the morning and sat with his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. He split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place. Okay, so, so Isaac doesn't know what's happening in this moment, right? Isaac has no clue that he is the offering. He just thought this was like a father-son camping trip. There's going to be like a, a goat or like a ram or something they offer. So then Isaac is like, hey, where's the, where's the offering? And uh, Abraham looks back and he says, uh, where is it, where is it, where is it? He basically says, the, the Lord is going to provide the offering. Uh, Behold the firewood, but where is the land for the burnt offering? God will provide for himself the land for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. Then they came to the place in which God had told them, okay? So Abraham is like looking in his mind, I'm thinking, for like this other thing to, to sacrifice. And nothing shows up. So he takes his son and he like ties him up. And I don't, I don't know, you know, what he did, but he literally ties him up, puts him on top of the firewood. And I imagine uh, was crying or something. And I'm sure... I'm sure Isaac really was kind of confused because, like, he's like, why are you tying me up? Just, what's happening? Uh, and so, I don't know exactly how this broke down, but I think they slit his throat first and then it worked. I don't know how it works. All I know is that Abraham got ready to knife his son 
he reared back, and then God, like verbally, like, like you can hear me right now, not like in a sign or not in a dream, verbally said, Abraham, Abraham, stop, 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 stop. I just needed to know if I could trust you. Okay, so that's a crazy story. That's a very crazy story. So, so what ends up happening right after that is Abraham uh, gets reminded by God, okay, like I can trust you. Uh, I'm uh, do not stretch out your hand against Vlad and do nothing for him. And now I know that you now that I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide. As it is to this day, the mount of the Lord has been provided. The angel of the Lord called on Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn. Check this out. Declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, indeed I will greatly bless you. And I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars in the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore. Your seed shall possess the gate of the enemies, and your seed, all the nations of the earth, shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, his, his entourage, and they arose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham lived in Beersheba. Okay, so, when I was your age, I heard that story and I was like, dude, that is cool. That is cool. Like, Number one, he had the faith to trust God to kill his son. It's pretty cool. Not only, you know, if you've been in church for any length of time, or even if you haven't, you're probably hearing uh, like, like a Jesus story in the same way where God offered his son, but he actually never ended up replacing him with a, with a ram. I mean, he offered his son and killed his son on the cross for us. And that was an offering so that we could be made right to him. Okay, so that's like what is called a type of Christ. Uh, but the idea here is that Abraham offered his son, his only son, to God because God said so. So here's what I want to say right now. It's like we all go through times like that. And, and I, I'm frankly, like I said, when I was your age, I thought the story was cool. I read that uh, yesterday and I was like hurt by it. I was offended by it. I don't know why. And God says sometimes the truth is just offensive. I read that and I was just like... Why would you do that? I don't understand. But that's not even rational. You, you would have someone kill their son. And I know you didn't do it. But you got to think like what the torture that this guy was going through, right? But he still did it. I don't know if I have the faith like that. I don't know if I have the faith of God like to send Jesus to die. But that's not what I'm here to talk about. Here's what I'm here to talk about. God chose Abram. Out of nowhere, God chose Abram. Gave him a new name. Gave him a plan said, guess what? You're going to be the father of the nations if you'll just obey him. If you will just obey him. And he obeyed him. And look what happened. Blessings. Blessings. Okay? And if you pay attention, I'm telling you, if you read the Old Testament, some of you may think that's boring. I dare you to go look in, in the Old Testament for Jewish people who were cursed by non-Jewish people. And look what happens to them. Because he says, I'll bless you, blesses you, and I'll curse who curses you. You know, one of the examples is David and Goliath. You probably saw that in Sunday school a long time ago. What did Goliath do to David? He says, I will curse you this day because you are a God-fearing man. Or whatever he said. I know I'm kind of summarizing here. And you know what happened? 
Jude got his head cut off because God kept his promise. He said, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. And so we're seeing this promise. We're seeing Abraham who had this like radical fellowship of God. He did it when, he, I mean, I'm telling you, I would abandon God if he said, kill your son. If he said, kill your son, I'm not a Christian anymore. It's done. It's over. I'm out. I'm out. I'm not a youth pastor anymore. I'm going to go work at McDonald's. Forget this stuff. I'm not killing my son. Uh, heaven, I guess, is out for me. I'm not following Jesus. I'm just going to be honest with you. Like, if that were presented to me, I don't know what I would do. I don't know what I would do. But I look at the story here. And I'm seeing a guy who followed Jesus. And I'm seeing the result. God chose Abram. And here's what I want to say. He's choosing some of you today. He's choosing some of us like in this three-week time where we're talking about the fall. And some of you could care less about what we're talking about tonight. I totally understand that. Like, you could care less. You came here because, like, there's pizza and your friends are here. Or, like, it's just fun. Or you needed to get out of the house. You needed to procrastinate homework. I understand that. We're just glad you're here. But some of you in this room, God is, like, marking right now. Like, mark. I'm talking like he is looking at you and he's saying, that's what I'm going to do with him. I'm calling him to that. I'm calling him to leadership. And there's tests involved in that. There's trials involved in that. And like Abram, like he came to him, the very first thing he said is like, I'm going to make you a great nation. Alright? He didn't give him a test up front. He said, I'm going to give you a great nation. Like you're going to be the man that I bless the earth through. Okay? Jesus is going to come. I don't know that he said that earlier or later. But he said, Jesus is actually going to come from your line because you're going to stem the whole like race of Hebrew people. Crazy. Like, God does not come down and say that to people these days, to my knowledge, unless he's saying, shh, keep it a secret. Don't tell anybody. I don't think it's happening. He hasn't come to me and be like, you're going to be a new pastor. There's going to be all these students that follow Jesus because of your teaching. Like, that didn't happen. He just said, you're going to be a new pastor. Go do it. And Abraham gets this, like, crazy calling. But some of us get these crazy callings. It doesn't need to be audible, but some of you just know it in your heart that, like, God is calling you to step up and lead. To stop being a nominal Christian. You know what I mean by nominal? Someone who says, I'm a Christian, but acts like they're an atheist. Right? There's enough of those. We have enough of those. There's plenty of those. So some of you have been tested. Just don't answer this with raising your hand. How many of you have been tested this week? How many of you have been tested this school year? How many of you have been tested so that you almost abandoned your faith in Jesus? And what happened out of that? Did you obey God or did you run? Some of you were tested in ways of like relationships. And God was like, bad idea, but you still did it. Okay? And maybe your faith struggled because of it. Or maybe you got into like an argument with God and He said, do something and you did it and your faith still struggled. That happens. But what happened? Some of you, he's marking you. Like he's testing because he's taking you through this process to reveal your priorities. So we have Abraham offering Isaac. And I think that some of you are going to have to offer your Isaacs next year. What do I mean by that? Let me just warn you. What I'm about to say is going to be wildly unpopular. Wildly. Okay. Some of you are going to hate. Your parents are going to hate me for this. 
Okay, are you ready for this? Some of you, let's just say you're Abraham and your Isaac is sports. Some of you, your Isaac is uh, a relationship that you're in. Some of you, your Isaac is money. And, and, and most of us, let me just say this, most of us are not willing to put this on the altar for what God has for us. We're not. And that's why this new system of cell groups is going to be kind of funny. Because it's going to be really, really good for those that get involved, but those that get involved are going to have to give some stuff up. I've already talked to some of you about that. Last week, some of you came up to me, and I was very excited about that. Here's what I want to say. Ten of you came up to me or, or sent me a message on Facebook or something like that, or texted me. I bet five of you are going to drop out in the next three months. Five of you are going to drop out. I'm tell you what it takes. At least that's why this number over here, it's going to take hard, it's going to take hard work to get there. Because like 10 of you came up to me, I was like, sweet, 10 celebrities. And then I thought about it and I was like, no way, because five of those jokers are going to drop out. They're going to drop out. Because this offering is too great. And here's what happens. When all this comes to the surface, God reveals your priorities. Like I said, this is going to be wild and popular. Some of you aren't going to give up what you know you should give up to be a celebrity. Some of you aren't going to give it up because you can't make the Monday night leadership meeting or whatever it is. Or some of you aren't going to give it up because you don't know if you want to go every Wednesday to lead a celebrity. You don't know, ah, I'm taking some hard classes and I don't know if I can study for a lesson every week. Because sometimes, and here's what I want to say. If God is saying, don't do self-group leadership, then don't do self-group leadership. I'm not inviting you into, into anything God has called you into. Here's what I do know. God is calling some of you, and some of you are going to ignore that completely. Just like the rest of us. Just like the rest of us. I have a friend right now that I know for a fact God called into ministry, and he is running from it. Running from it. Why? Because of money. You know why? Because we don't get paid all that great. Like, we're not making, like, six figures, all right? We're not rolling in Benzes. I got a car that, like, the, the, the turn signal won't stop. Tick, 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 tick. I don't get that crap fixed because, like, right? I don't make six figures just do that, right? I don't live in a mansion, and that's cool. You know what? I'm cool with that because you know why? Because God said, give it up. And I said, whatever. I don't care. I'll live simply. I don't care. I could get a business degree if I wanted to. I'm not going to lie. I'm a fairly smart guy. I think I could make it in, in like Wall Street or something like that. The adults are laughing right now because they know I couldn't. However, here's what I want to say. Like I could be an athlete or something, right? Check it out. Step aside, tools. Uh, I know. I'm laughing too. It's a joke. So here's the deal. Your priorities come into question when God calls you to sacrifice something and you either do or you don't. And all I want to ask you tonight is are you going to give it up or are you not? Are you going to hold on to it or are you going to sacrifice it? I'm telling you guys, I'm telling you, I've been in the ministry for five years professionally and I didn't even need, I don't even need one year to know that some of you are going to come to me and you're going to be excited because of either an emotional response or guilt or something like that. And maybe you're being called by God in a very real way, but you're going to look at me and you're going to say, 
I just can't make those meetings, or I just can't, you know, I don't want to give this up. I'd like to go to parties on Friday night. I know that I probably can't be a celebrant leader and, like, get trashed every weekend. That would be one of the parts, okay? You can't get trashed every weekend if you want to be a celebrant leader. Just put that out there. Um, you got to live a life of purity. Guys, I'm calling you to something huge. But the payoff is so much bigger than the sacrifice. The payoff is so much bigger than the sacrifice. And in this case, he didn't even have to sacrifice anything. God just needed to know that he would. He just needed to know that he would. A lot of times, sometimes, God calls you to sacrifice something, and maybe he's not even going to have you do it. Maybe he is. You don't need to be mad and be like, why can't I make like an Abraham situation? Where you kind of like go back on your promise or whatever. Like you need to kill your son. Oh wait, no, 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 I'm just kidding. Some of you are going to be like mad if he actually has you give something up. And there's growth in that. There's struggle in that. But there's faith that comes out of that. There's a verse in James that says, all those trials that you go through, they're good. I'm actually going to read this because I, I didn't plan to read that. But it's a good, good, good verse. We need to read it. Uh, uh, count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let endurance have its perfect work, so that it results in, uh, I'm sorry, let it be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Uh, and then in, in another verse, it talks about how it produces patience and it produces uh, contentment, okay? There's all these different places where God just says, let the trials happen. Uh, and, and I don't know why, but sometimes we as Christians, we think that suffering shouldn't be a part of Christianity when the God that we follow was slaughtered and we may have to give up something to lead people to Jesus like our comfort or like the life that we want to lead or that habit that we want to give up okay so here's the deal I'm going to point back to something real quick um, we're going to look at this tonight leadership and ownership alright uh, so we want leadership and ownership out of our students. And here's what I mean by that. I know those two words you probably don't use a whole, whole lot. Leadership, I want you to be leaders, and I want you to own the student ministry. This is no longer the student ministry that Mark preaches at, right? This is the student ministry that I bring my friends to Christ. Like, I am like a youth pastor. Because I go out and I invite people, and then I share my faith with them. Okay, so that's the ownership. Uh, the ownership of your cell group means that you own it so that if it sucks, guess what? Your fault. Okay? Like if this isn't good, my fault, right? If your cell group doesn't have anybody, I don't know. Let's just think about this. It's because you need to invite people. And so there's ownership in that. And no longer can you just be comfortable and anonymous in here. And just act like everything's okay. But you go home and like, you know it's not. Because you're not giving anything up. You're not applying any of God's truth to your life. Time for change. So here's the deal. We're going to look at uh, 1 Timothy 4, 11 and 12. I read that for you last week. And here's what I want to say. This is so important. Prescribe and teach these things. Let no one look down on your youthfulness. But rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself as an example. I'm going to write those down. I didn't plan to, but I think we need to see those. Oh, okay. 
speech. How many of you use words you're not supposed to? Don't raise your hand. Conduct. How many of you act like a moron outside of church, not caring about what your example leads to? Love. How many of you hate your, your, your enemies? Faith. Purity. Paul was telling Timothy, a young guy about your age, who was taking on a pastoral role, huh, quite similar to what you're about to do, to be an example in these five areas. Don't look, anyone look down on how young you are. Here's what I know he was saying. Teenagers are revolutionary. Teenagers like know that stuff can be different. Teenagers are sick and tired of the way things look like right now because, listen, leadership is corrupt. You don't have to watch TV for very long to know that leadership is corrupt, okay? Let me just be very honest with you. I'm sick and tired of people standing up for God and then like molesting people. Or I'm sick and tired of people standing up for God and then flipping people off on the road because they ticked them off. I'm sick and stinking tired of people in leadership, but then go home and live however they want to. Because no one's watching. Right? I'm done with that. I'm done with that. And I want to tell you something. Like, I am talking about me too, because for a long time, when I got to a certain age, it was about 19 years old. When I got to 19 years old, I started looking at the Bible and I started focusing a lot on grace. And what I mean by that is, like, I can do anything if I just ask for forgiveness. So all these laws and stuff like that, that's boring. Jesus died for me, right? So I can go do whatever I want. You know what ended up happening? I ended up influencing my friends who were following after Christ in a negative way. So if you think that your life is making no difference either for a positive or a negative direction. No, 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 no. Like a lot of you, let me just, this is so tough. A lot of you, people might be looking at, and you're the reason they're coming to church. And that is a weight that I don't want you to bear, but you just have to. You have to. Now, if you're not a Christian in here, I'm not talking to you. Okay, I'm talking to like the Christians, talking to the 1010 students, and talking to whoever in here that has accepted Christ. There are people in here that I know. People look at your life and they're like, Christianity is bunk because that dude doesn't have anything on Or that chick is always gospel. I'm just telling you, like, I hear that. I want you to know that. And if I'm hearing it, like, if, if people are telling me, if you pass through this stuff, I know it is talked about, Okay? And that's sad. That's a life that I used to live. And we're done. There's going to be leadership and ownership. Showing examples of speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. Okay? So here's what I want you to start doing. What you're going to do is a self -reclaim. Okay? This is one of your main, main, main concerns. As you are going to pastor your ears. You are going to pastor them. Yes, I'm using the word pastor. The steps. What are the steps? Well, there's a couple things that we like. I've set in place, and they're strategies. Okay, they're just if I could have my way about how students enter our student ministry and how they progress, I would do just a couple things. And this is oversimplified, so you just need to know this isn't complete. But this is like the, the overview. Okay, 
I'm sorry about that. I'm about, you know what? Uh, okay, so there's three steps, right? Uh, the first step, this, and this is, this is very similar to what we have right now. What we have right now is like, if, if you are here, and don't raise your hand, but if you're here for the first time, you did exactly what I wanted you to do. Pat yourself in the back, it's pretty cool. You did exactly what I wanted you to do. What did I not want you to do first? Go to a mission trip where you're asked to sacrifice a whole lot right up front. Like, that's kind of scary. Also, also, some of you have been to our program for the first time on a Sunday morning where we join small groups and stuff like that. And I think that's awesome. If that is the first time that you showed up, that might have been a little scary for you. Okay? So here's the deal. Our first step, this is what we want you to do. And as a cell group leader, okay, if you are a cell group leader, you are looking at the students around you and making sure they take these steps in order. The first step, join a cell group. I'm going to agree with you, okay? And here's the deal. That part is knowing. Where do I get knowing from? Over here, okay? So, that's the first part. What's the second part? No, man. Grow. You guys, awesome, okay? The second step is to grow. So, I'm not trying to rhyme. So, uh, here's, here's the thing. I've said this a couple times, and you guys may not have understood it. Here's what I'm saying. If you come to Wednesday night, and let's say you get saved. Let's say you even get baptized, right? But then you never do anything else but come on Wednesday night. That's actually not a good thing. Here's why. Because the next step we want you to take is get involved in a small group. Here's what happens in small groups. You get together with just people in your age and your gender, or your grade and your gender, I should say. And you talk about stuff that you're really going through. There's a Bible lesson on Sunday morning. It's like 45 minutes long, okay? That's all we're asking you to do. But you come and you get involved in a, a small group on Sunday mornings. Uh, I'm going to call this the 10 Sunday morning, okay? That's go and grow. Okay, so, so in the past, we've said... Know and grow in Christ. Is that where it ended? There's a third step up there. There's a third step up there. Here's what I want to say. If we're going to pass the people through the steps, here's what I want to show you. Is that you go from knowing Christ, you get to know Him, you get baptized. These are things that you guys should be showing your friends to do. How many of you, don't raise your hands, how many of you have shared your faith with someone in a real way. If you don't have to raise your hands, just let that bother you. Because if you haven't, then you miss the point. That's tough. You got them to church, and that's great. You made them accept Christ. Did you leave them there, or did you help them take the next step to attend Sunday morning? So here's the deal. Here's the next step. To grow, to lead. So, this means we add to our vision one sentence, okay? To help teens know and grow in Christ and help others to do the same thing. What you're looking at, if you can read it, I know it's terrible, what you're looking at is our vision. That is our whole purpose. If we don't do that this year, here's what we are as a youth ministry. A failure. 
Let's all say that together. It's so encouraging. A
short term ones this summer when they're having fun. Six, this is tough. This is tough. How many of you are doing that? Okay, I'll move on. Honors parents, I'm sorry. Honors parents. Not only the small writing, not terrible writing. How many of you honor your parents? You don't raise your hands. How many of you honor your parents? In a practical way. By the way, cussing your mom out is not honoring your parents. Right? Lying to your parents, not honoring your parents. Just saying. Seven. Serves in the local church. When you guys graduate, and here's, here's kind of why we're doing all this anyway. When you guys graduate, there's going to be like another place to go. A lot of you are going to college. By uh, a lot of you, I mean two. Uh, but the seniors are going away. And a lot of you are moving out of the area. And you're going to have to like feed yourself spiritually. And there's going to be a chance that some of us in here... How many juniors do we have in the room? Just curious. Okay. Uh, there's going to be a, a, probably a big chance that a lot of you are going to look for something similar to this because of what you're used to, this is what you know. And it's entertaining, so you can look for something that's fun. And you're not, you might not find it, you might find like an old guy that has dust all over him. That's reading a dusty Bible, he's wearing a suit, and that's the only thing you got. And you got to plug into that. You got to find a way to serve in the local church, or are you too stuck up? Hey, memorizing scripture. I'm trying to hurry, I'm sorry, my body is terrible. You memorize scripture, that was tough. Tie. Regularly. You know what tithe is? We talk about it in dollar dollar bills. That's giving 10% of your income to the local church. That's a tough one. Okay? And then the 10th is in an accountability relationship. Uh, I wish I had a way. 10 habits, okay? We call these the 10 habits of 10 10 students. And here's what we do we look at these and we say, are our students doing this? If that's a no, guess what? We are a failure. So here's the deal. When you, when you, when you, when you are a self leader, you are helping people to do these things. And in order to, to check them out, like in order to see if things are working, you look at these. Now that's not to say that you're like looking at their bank account to see if they're tied regularly. That's creepy. That's like a trust issue. Okay? And a lot of these things are trust issues. But that also means that you lead these people, okay? If these people are not displaying others' first attitude, and I, would, I just want to say this is the toughest one, because this means on every occasion that you have the opportunity to either be others first or like me first without stuff, you always put others first. Or you always put yourself first. It's tough. It's tough. Like that is so difficult to always have that. But let me, let me just point you to Jesus who always had an others first attitude, who always put others first, to the point that he died on a cross for us. So here's the deal. God's going to be marking some of you. God's going to be calling some of you to this leadership. And like I said, this summer I'm going to be taking some of you along. Some of you have already told me that you're interested, and I've already told you, you plan to spend your summer with me at least one day a week. At least one day plan to go on that trip at the end of the summer. Because we're going to hit this thing all hard. We're not going to be soft about this thing. We're not going to be uh, little jelly bellies about our 
that act like they they love Satan but call themselves a Christian that have come to church on Sunday or that will pray when they're in trouble there's enough people that are over here and are acting like this there's enough people that are calling themselves Christian but will say words that a Christian would never say during the week or do things or look at things or talk about people or stab people in the back or just not have an others first attitude there's enough of those people okay I want people to actually walk the walk. Because we're not going to be a student ministry of hypocrites. We're not. I tell you what, there was a church in town when I was growing up that everyone knew. Everyone knew everyone was a hypocrite. Everyone knew. Everyone knew there was parties happening. Everyone knew that uh, they called themselves a Christian, but we all knew they weren't. Just by the way they lived. By the way, that's in the Bible. They will know you by the way you love others and by the way you keep His commandments. I'm sorry, that's part of it. That is part of it. If you're in like a bad relationship, an unpure relationship, guess what? That's not being an example of purity. If you're talking bad about people to other people, that's gossiping. And that is not love. That is not speech. That's not, that's not any of that stuff. So who's going to be an example? Because that church that everyone knew that hypocrites filled the church was my church. Was my church. And I was a freshman watching sophomores, juniors, and seniors come to church on Sunday, look really good, dress up, bring their Bibles, knowing that I, knowing that over the weekend they were into stuff that was just bad. Over the whole week, you would see them hanging out with people in high school that was just terrible. Because I got to see it with my own eyes. And people looked at our church and said, that's a bunch of hypocrites. That's a bunch of stinking hypocrites and I don't want anything to do with Jesus. So you know how hard it was for me to invite people to my church? Difficult. To the point that when I brought people to church and they said, they go to your church? I appreciate you inviting me, but I'll probably be back. Our church is reaching 12.8% of the students in Swain County. So here's a little phrase I want you to remember. It's what I'm thinking tonight. I want you just to remember this. It's a little, it's a little cheap, but it's easy to remember. You're going to over row. Yeah, we should reach a thousand. 
do that. I'm not talking about us. Like, our church is not reaching a thousand teenagers. The churches of Saline County are reaching a thousand teenagers collectively. And there are at least 7,800 just sitting around, not doing anything, not caring about God. Because guess what? We don't care about that. Don't go to the statue. God's calling the Son of 